electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod, the Twitter files continuing saga. I believe that Twitter is the modern public square. Congressman Ro Khanna on regulating tech and tech regulating us. It's one thing to say they shouldn't have released sensational pictures about Hunter Biden, which I agree with. But to censor the New York Post, to prevent sharing of articles, that's just wrong. Plus, the stock moves at RH, Lululemon, and Chewy that we're watching. And Amazon, trying to be TikTok? You're not an influencer? Nope. I'm uh, C-list, D-list, maybe lower. And speaking of celebrities, some of them are on OOO Ozempic. Dr. Scott Gottlieb on the diabetes drug used for weight loss. When people come off the medications, a lot of them will regain the weight. There are side effects. All that and much more today. It is Friday, December 9th, 2022. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand back you by in three, two, one. Cue it, please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We're live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Andrew Ross Sorkin. Joe is out today. And there is some new data in China overnight. Inflation there slowing in November as COVID outbreaks hit domestic demand. Consumer prices up by 1.6% versus a more than 2% increase in October as food prices ease sharply. Producer prices falling for a second straight month in November on a year-over-year basis. This latest data coming in a week when the Chinese government eased some of the restrictions and a major shift from the zero COVID policy that it has maintained over the last three years almost. Uh, and Andrew, we'll be getting PPI right. here today as well. We'll get a look at that. And I think the expectation is year over year to be a little bit lower than we'd seen, uh, but still up month over month. Right. Let's talk Twitter. Reportedly introducing a new set of controls to allow companies to prevent their ads from appearing above or below tweets containing certain keywords. This is according to Reuters moves an attempt to try to woo advertisers back to the platform without fear that their messages will be associated with controversial commentary. And separately, former New York Times columnist Barry Weiss released what is being called a second installment of the Twitter files last night. It included images of what appears to be an internal Twitter system that marked certain accounts as being blacklisted in certain ways. For example, one was marked as a trends blacklist, another as a search blacklist. Other labels included do not amplify and recent abuse strike. We're going to talk to Congressman Rokana, whose email appeared in the first Twitter files released last week, all about it. Uh, also some interesting concerns this morning as people were looking through some of the screenshots of whether employees and potentially even those folks who are now looking at all of this have access to direct messages. Oh, that's interesting, so too. Yeah. W- when you look at the screens that they were screenshotting, there's a line for direct messages. And so the question is, both did Twitter at the time, and employees, yeah. have access to that? Do the journalists, by the way, do Barry Weiss and Matt Taibbi and others have access to direct messages now I, and I've other things like that? i that somebody could see those direct messages. I've, I've never put anything in it that, that I, I figure somebody there would how have do you, access to it. How have you felt about your, your text messages? 
I mean, you know those things are going to get picked up. I think I'm a little looser with that, but I think you know those things could get picked up too, everything you put in writing. It used to, remember, we used to call email evidence mail. Right. Well, that is true. Um, Elon planning to encrypt direct messages in the future. That's smart. Which would mean that, um, well, uh, it, also... It, it would give you a little more confidence. But, but separate debate about that, because as you know, Bill Gates and other people have suggested, look, if you encrypt all of the email and encrypt all of the text messages, it actually makes it impossible for law enforcement yeah, to yeah. try to stop things from happening before. Well, wouldn't they, they have a happen. key, just like Apple has a key? Or they would encrypt it and throw away the key? So Apple, does, Apple will tell you, I believe they would tell you, that they have no key to unencrypt your text messages today. So, one, so it's yes. already a problem. And this is a, similar, this is a similar situation. WhatsApp has that, has that right. feature as well. Although, haven't there been recent lawsuits where people just assume if you're using WhatsApp, you're, you're saying things that, that could potentially get you in trouble with things? I mean, I, I forget what, law, what lawsuit was just up that I was reading something about this. I don't know the suit. I'll have, uh, to, go, I'll I'll have to see if I can do some do research. Some research. We're also watching shares of RH. That's the company that was formerly known as Restoration Hardware. The company's earnings of $5.67 a share beat the estimates of $4.70, and revenue beat too. And the company announced the acquisition of Los Angeles-based upholstery brand Dimitri and the Michigan-based furniture maker Jupe. RH has hired the founders of those companies to develop and run in-house programs. RH also hired the former editor of Architectural Digest to launch a new publication dubbed RH Media. That stock's up by about 1%. I love reading an RH catalog. It's pretty. I can under like the architectural digest. You, and it sometimes it comes. It's so thick, and you think so yourself. So fat, and then you throw it, it out. And must like, have oh, cost boy. so much money just to mail it. Meantime, shares of Lulu they are falling this morning. Their power retailer reported earnings of two dollars per share, beating estimates by three cents. Revenue also beat. Comstore sales rose fourteen percent for the quarter. That fell short, though we should say, of the nineteen percent increase that analysts had been anticipating. Two concerns here. We got gross margins. They fell 1.3%. Inventory levels jumped 85%. That's remarkable compared to the same period just a year ago. Q4 forecast came in on the low end of the estimated range and is true. Those ABC pants that I have bought, I have not bought any new Lululemon You're pants. a once and done, one and done? I, I think that the whole athleisure, what is it, you know, I think everybody's back to peacocking. They're all wearing fancy clothes and they're... Could be. You know, the whole sort of comfort versus um, Although a lot of people style. are back to the gyms, too, and you got to look good when you go there. That's true, but if they've got 85% of their, their inventory just yeah. sitting there, <laughs> I may not be the only one who hasn't bought a new but pair I, of pants. I, you never see sales there. I wonder if they actually do sales this time around. Oh, that'll be interesting. Because of the inventory. Um, meantime, online pet product retailer Chewy uh, swung to a profit in the third quarter on improved margins from pricing trends and supply chain initiatives. The company also raising its sales forecast for the year. Chewy says the people are still spending money on their pets. That is one place where nobody's moving. But demand remains geared towards food, treats, and healthcare products versus discretionary items such as a pet, pet carriers and beds. The company also said its CFO is retiring. Are you an animal? You're an animal we lover. A we have oh, a yeah, cat. We have a cat with a bed or anything? Yeah, you, you end up getting so many things and the toys they go through so quickly. We have a Chewy subscription. Oh, see, so. it's all related. Amazon is rolling out a TikTok-like feature in its app that's going to allow customers to buy products from a customized feed of photos and videos. 
The portal is called Inspire. It was launched yesterday for some users, and Amazon plans to make it available across the United States in the coming months. Andrew's checking right now to see if it's available on I am. I'm seeing his. if it's on I can mine. tell what you're doing. Amazon has been recruiting influencers as it builds up its social shopping business. Um, this is kind of interesting, though. We'll see. You know, everybody's trying to figure out how to take on TikTok, especially if you're going to be seeing something like a nationwide ban on TikTok, which is getting discussed right now. I am not clearly. Uh, you're not an influencer. Not, nope, not, nope. I'm uh, C list, D list. Maybe, maybe <laughs> lower, maybe lower. We do have some breaking political news to bring you out of Washington, though, right now, because Arizona Senator Kristen Sinema changing her affiliation from Democrat to independent. Wow. In making that move, Sinema saying that she's, quote, never really fit into a box of any political party. That could call into question the expected 51 seat majority for Democrats next year, although Sinema does not plan to caucus with Republicans. I wonder if she plans to caucus with the Democrats or just kind of hang out on her own. I don't know how that's how that's Bernie Sanders, work. when he was an independent, was always somebody who caucused with the Democrats. With the Democrats. I guess if you're leaving the Democratic Party, it might be a little tougher to do that. Well, and it, clearly she's also saying that she's that, I'm not. Well, I, I, not, I don't think if it's if news. She's saying she's not caucusing with the Republicans. I don't think it's news. I don't think anybody's we, necessarily counting on her vote for a lot of things right. and they thought with the 51 it would make Kirsten Sinema and Joe Manchin maybe hold a little less sway but this kind of puts everything right. in, a, in a different light if you're only going to have 50 then you really do have to count on Manchin voting with you well, or hope that you can convince Sinema to do it anyway. I will say given you know my views about carried interest and which are at odds with Kirsten Sinema yeah. um, and I think a lot of people who lived in that space were surprised at the I, position I, she I didn't took. understand it either. But, not that this explains it, but Just clearly, for anybody who wasn't playing an, along, she was not in favor of changing carried interest right. when they went through, and that's part of the reason it didn't get changed, because right. she said she wouldn't vote for it right. if, if that happened. But clearly very independently minded. Yes. Cheese will be next. Next on Squawk Pod, trouble in the town square. Silicon Valley representative Ro Khanna on Elon Musk's policies at Twitter and tech's biggest problems. Republicans are rightfully concerned about censorship. Democrats tend to be concerned about respect. You don't want people on these platforms who are spewing anti-Semitism. This is a conversation we need to have as a country. What is that balance? Plus, one part of the FTX fiasco we haven't talked about, disgraced founder Sam Bankman-Fried and his political donations, Representative Khanna on his own relationship with FTX funds. The record is pretty clear. I haven't taken a dime of FTX money or Bankman-Fried money other than a donation at the very end, which we returned. All of that, plus SBF heads to Washington himself. That's right after this break. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow. 
today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod Today with Becky Quick and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Here's Andrew. Welcome back to Squawk Box. Uh, The drama continues. FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried now saying he is willing to testify before lawmakers next week. Bankman-Fried making that statement in a tweet that just came out earlier this hour. We uh, brought it to you as it uh, literally uh, crossed the Twitter sphere. Uh, He said he would try to be as helpful as possible, he says, regarding the collapse of FTX. But he added he doesn't have access to much of his data and can't be as helpful as he would like to be. Now, just in the last couple of minutes, there's more on all of this. SBF now replying to this tweet by Binance CEO CZ, who said, Sam was so unhinged when we decided to pull out as an investor that he launched a series of offensive tirades at multiple Binance team members, including threatening to go to, quote, extraordinary lengths to make us pay. We still have those text messages. Here's how the drama then unfolds. SBF replies this morning, you won, CZ. There's no need to lie now about the buyout. We initiated conversations about buying you out, and we decided to do it because it was important for our business. And while I was frustrated by your, quote, negotiating tactics, I chose to still do it. He then goes on to write, you threatened to walk at the last minute if we didn't kick in an extra $75 million. We did it anyway because this just made us feel more confident We didn't want Binance on our cap table. That's the investing group. But again, none of this is necessary. You won. Why are you lying about this now? So um, as the world turns, the soap opera continues. I mean, if if they say they have the text, that's all stuff that can be now brought before Congress in these hearings. Why you would want to extend the drama and bring it about, well, th- this part, I think, is the, this this component part seems like a whole sideshow of just them going back. And yeah, forth it, with each other, it does. But, but you know, if you're going to call people liars, if they think they've got the. Well, he's calling him a liar and, and the other guy's saying he's got text. So we'll yeah, see we'll whether see that who's got comes that. out. And I don't know if it would actually come out in court, but it will it's co- a, it'll come it's out. It's a sideshow, but it's, it'll in, come out on Twitter, Twitter probably sphere. in exactly. the next 20 minutes. Last night, former New York Times columnist Barry Weiss releasing the second installment of the Twitter files. It includes images of what appears to be an internal Twitter system that marked certain accounts as being blacklisted in certain ways. For example, one was marked as a, quote, trends blacklist, another as a, quote, search blacklist. I want to bring in California congressman who found himself at the center of the Twitter files saga just a week ago. Representative Ro Connor joins us this morning. Congressman, it's nice to see you, sir. Uh, you, you did get a, a nice little cameo in, in this Twitter files saga and, and raising the issue, really, I think the only, the only person, at least that we saw in Congress, especially on the Democratic side, suggesting that those Hunter Biden uh, files, or at least the, the article, should not be blacklisted. Uh, what have you made of what you've now seen um, from inside this, this reporting? Well, Andrew, I uh, believe that Twitter is the modern public square. And it's one thing to say they shouldn't have released sensational pictures about Hunter Biden, which I agree with. But to censor the New York Post, to prevent sharing of articles, uh, that's just uh, wrong. And uh, I stand by what I wrote. uh, And I hope that they will not do that uh, in the future, even though they are not obligated to live up to the First Amendment, uh, they shouldn't be censoring journalists or things that they disagree with. 
do these new series of what might be described as tweet reports you know, lead you have more questions, less questions? Are you, are you glad that they're going through all of this? I mean, there's some people who think that this is great. There are others who think that this is uh, political or something else. Others who worry about the, the privacy, by the way, of Twitter employees or, or former employees and the like and email addresses. By the way, your email address, I believe, was exposed in all of this. What do you think? I think that transparency is important and good. Look, I don't mind that it happened to me. It wasn't ideal. I could get for the security of my account. I do think they need to be sensitive uh, to non-public figures, to lower level uh, employees and making sure their personal information and emails aren't being leaked. But here's the bigger question, uh, Aaron. Republicans are, are rightfully concerned about censorship. Democrats tend to be concerned about respect. You don't want people on these platforms who are spewing anti-Semitism, uh, anti who are spewing racism. And this is a conversation we need to have as a country, right. what is that balance? And so I think the more transparency, the files being released, I've even said I'm open to hearings in Congress, right. uh, in a Republican Congress, as long as they're not about gotcha politics, what did President Biden do, what did Trump do, but more about the broader questions of free speech and censorship. Aaron's a much better writer than I am, but uh, when it turned to uh, talking about hearings, uh, Sam Bankman-Fried tweeted this morning that he's willing to testify. Did I say Aaron? I apologize. I apologize. You, you don't need to. I'll, I'll, by the way, well. I'll take being mistaken with Aaron any day of the week. Um, but, but to the, this point about SBF and this hearing, um, what do you expect that we could possibly hear? And, and, and do you expect him to, to testify in person? Andrew, I did listen to your interview, which was, I thought, very thoughtful. I, look, I, I think there are two different questions. One is... Uh, just garden variety uh, wrongdoing. And many of us thought uh, that Sam Bankman-Fried was uh, innovative. No one would have expected or few, very few expected that what could have been going on is he was taking people's money and spending it uh, on uh, without their consent. And that's just wrong no matter what the industry is. The second issue that needs to be uh, looked at is blockchain and having greater regulation. Right. Look, I have a lot of confidence in Gary Gensler uh, and the CFTC. I think they need more authority. I think it's unfair to be blaming them. I think what we need to be doing in Congress is figuring out how they have more authority to actually regulate. And Gensler has been sounding the alarm about some of the excesses uh, of blockchain right. for a long time. C Congressman, you know, there's been some speculation uh, that given Sam Bankman-Fried's donations, prolific donations, largely to the Democrats, uh, that Congress went easy on him. And in fact, that maybe even you went easy on him. You'll remember Terry Duffy uh, from the CME uh, expressed deep skepticism about his business. And you went hard at Terry Duffy. Now, you've come back and said that uh, he was right. And you acknowledged, I, I, I went on Twitter, you said, I want to acknowledge with humility his insights uh, were greater than mine on FTX. But I think there's a lot of folks out there who say, you know, was all of this a function of money? Had, had Sam Bankman-Fried bought off the Democrats? No, in my case, he hadn't even uh, given a single dollar at the time of the hearing. And the argument I had with Mr. Duffy was on what the de technical definition of capital requirements was, which I believe I was technically correct, but I, he had broader insight uh, over FTX being fraudulent. And I called him afterwards and I said, look, you had instincts that uh, I didn't, and I, I acknowledged that. Uh, and I think, though, the broader issue was that uh, many people uh, didn't see it. Uh, but I don't think 
at least in the case of those hearings uh, or in the case of uh, most of Congress, that there was any uh, sense of link to, to, to money. And I don't want to be calling out Republicans, but there are a lot of Republicans who took, got a lot of money from his super PACs. In my case, uh, I got one contribution two weeks before an election that we returned uh, that was a very small contribution uh, and had had no money from FTX or him uh, any time before or after the hearing that, that you're referring to. Hey, Ro, you, you gave the money back. Some people have not given the money back. Others have given it to charity. I mean, it seems to me like that money should be given back to the bankruptcy court so they can try and make as many of the creditors, the customers there, uh, get back as much as they possibly can. Yeah, well, we had, I think what happened in our case is a week before the election, we got a contribution from Sam Bankman Freed and we uh, refunded it. Uh, and so uh, that was uh, about 10 days later. It was a small contribution. I do think uh, giving it to the bankruptcy court at this point would, would be fine. But, you know, the real way FTX was giving money was not in individual contributions of 2900 or 5800 is what he did uh, a week before the election. To me, the real way is they were putting millions of dollars uh, into these super PACs. And I do think the question is, where were they putting in the money to these super PACs? A lot of those elections, frankly, were against progressives. I was often endorsing the candidate on the other side. And many of those candidates didn't win who uh, Sam Bankman Frank, uh, Freed's PAC supported. Uh, right. But my view is that ought to be looked at just as an issue of, of, of big money. Uh, and there were a lot of Republicans who benefited from that big money as well. But, but Ro, in terms of the money piece, it, it just, it all smells. I think we all agree that it smells. Why is there not a greater emphasis on trying to get rid of the money broadly? So, so that these questions about your credibility and others' credibility don't exist. I don't think there's any question about my credibility. I don't take PAC money, lobbyist money. I've had, I haven't taken a dime of it. And like I said, the record is pretty clear. I haven't taken a dime of FTX money or Bankman Free money other than a donation at the very end, which we returned, which was after all the hearings and, uh, and questions. But I do think there is a broader issue, which is these millions of dollars of super PAC money that are going into elections. That's why I've said, don't take a dollar of PAC money. I've introduced the no PAC Act. There are about seven members like me who don't take PAC money. And we need a 28th Amendment in this country to give us the ability to effectively regulate right. big money that is influencing our politics. Right. Um, finally, I want to get to uh, another big headline uh, today. Microsoft, that Activision deal, um, the FTC suing to block the transaction. Which side are you on? I am uh, willing to see what, what happens here. Look, I understand the FTC's concerns, and certainly I'm not going to pronounce on what an agency is going to do. I never have done that uh, in, in my career. And I understand their concerns on, uh, on the <coughs> consecration in the video game industry. At the same time, we do need to look at the jobs and labor issue. Microsoft uh, came to a neutrality agreement with the CWA workers. And their CWA is actually very happy with some of the jobs and neutrality agreements. So I think there are considerations on both sides, and I just hope the agency right. will weigh all of those considerations. How risky, though, do you think this is for the FTC, in fact? And the reason I ask is, if, in fact, the FTC were to lose this case, you know, does that open the door for all sorts of trends? I mean, there's a lot of people who are not pursuing mergers right now because they're just anxious about the FTC even bringing a case like this, Right. But if they were to lose a case like this, the dynamic could change completely. I think that's a good point. And I think that's one thing the FTC needs to weigh. Is this the most egregious point? But the broader point, Andrew, is that uh, we need to make sure that Congress passes some legal change. 
you could have the most aggressive FTC. Right now, the judicial law is pretty deferential to businesses, to mergers. And without Congress changing things, and we haven't been able to pass the antitrust legislation, I think the uh, FTC is always going uphill. And I am, have been for some of the stronger antitrust enforcement. Congressman, it's always good to see you. We appreciate you weighing in on all of these topics this morning. Have a great weekend. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Next on Squawk Pod, the billionaire's weight loss drug, celebrities and influencers are using Ozempic to slim down, but it's supposed to be for diabetes patients. We're getting the risks, the payoffs, and the medicine from Dr. Scott Gottlieb. If you're taking an active pharmaceutical ingredient, you want to make sure you're properly indicated for it, because as you use drugs in lower risk settings, you tend to realize more of the side effects and fewer of the benefits. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Did you see any bump when you had to replace your whole wardrobe with clothes three sizes smaller? Did you see any bump in? Uh, what I'm definitely stimulated. What are you? Are you? I'm definitely stimulated. Did you replace your entire wardrobe with size de- de- whatever? Definitely, 100. percent I'll be the first to say. Guy I'm looks like, the, like a million dollars. I'm the self-deprecating. Maybe a couple billion actually. No, okay, but yeah, he looks like, great. He looks like 10 bill, 10 billion. First of all, the weekly shot is amazing. The guy got to. Dr. Lou Aroni, who prescribed it to me, is also amazing. He's like the, the most innovative weight loss guy. And I started this about a year ago. It's been life changing. I'm not hungry anymore. That was Fanatic CEO Michael Rubin on Wednesday talking about his weight loss success using the drug Ozempic. The injectable diabetes medication has skyrocketed in popularity because of its aid in helping patients lose weight. And in fact, it's being used so much, it's causing a nationwide shortage. Also, take a look at the stocks of manufacturer Novo Nordisk and Eli Lilly, who makes a similar drug. They've soared in the last three months, with both of them up more than 17%. Joining us right now is Dr. Scott Gottlieb, the former FDA commissioner and a CNBC contributor who also serves on the boards of both Pfizer and Illumina. And and Scott, we may have shown Michael Rubin because he said it on air, but... uh, all of these guests that have been coming in here have been talking about how they're using this. And um, it might be off-label usage. These are not people who were heavy, seriously heavy to begin with. Um, what do you think? What's happening? Yeah, look, I think what you're seeing on Instagram and Twitter, a lot of that is off-label use. These drugs are indicated if you're obese, so BMI above 30. So that would be about 200 pounds for someone who's five foot nine, or you're overweight, so you have a BMI between 25 and 30, and you have one or more risk factors related to the weight. Look, there's a significant unmet need here. Obesity rates have really risen in the last five years. These drugs can be very effective, but you want to make sure they're used appropriately. And there's at least anecdotal evidence when you look at social media that people are using these inappropriately. There's people who could benefit from diet and exercise, probably can achieve their goal through those mechanisms who are now reaching for the drugs as a quick way to lose weight. And that's concerning. I don't think it's what's driving the shortages right now. Um, There were some manufacturing issues, and I'm not sure this is pervasive enough that's really driving a lot of excess utilization. There's a large indicated population, but you certainly should be concerned about the trends. You know, it, it, it sounds great, and I, I think it's 
it's got to be really good. As you mentioned, obesity rates have gone up, especially after the pandemic and the lockdowns. Um, but I always feel like if it's too good to be true, I mean, are there side effects that come with this? Do people keep the weight off if they stop doing the injections? So they don't. When people come off the medications, a lot of them will regain the weight. There are side effects. There's short-term side effects. It causes nausea. It can cause constipation or diarrhea. There's been evidence in animal studies that it causes thyroid tumors. We don't know if that's going to translate into humans. So there's no free lunch. You want to make sure if you're taking any pharmaceutical that you're properly indicated for it. And so someone who has a BMI of 25 or less can benefit from diet and exercise, shouldn't be on one of these drugs. I think above that, if you have risk factors, you can consider it. That's where it's indicated. Um, they can be very effective. At the highest dose, Wagovi, which is the Novo Nordisk drug that's indicated for weight loss, people lost upwards of about 20% of their body weight. These were people who were obese, who had BMIs above 30. So they can be effective for people who need it. And one other statistic, when you look at obesity rates in this country in, 20, in 2015, 25% of, America, of Americans were over, overweight, o obese, had a BMI above 30. In 2019, it rose to 35%. Now it's at 42%. Wow. So rates have really That's risen. Awful. Right. So there's, this, there's a big unmet need. These drugs could be effective at helping more people lose weight. But if they become lifestyle medications on Twitter and Instagram, that is, that's I mean, The concerning. question is, all of these folks who are taking it now, you think they're going to take it, or they're going to want to take it for the rest of their life, right? Well, look, they're going to have to if they want to maintain the weight loss, unless they can modify their behaviors while they're on the drug and use the drug as a way to modify their behaviors. But what the drug does is it gives you a sense of fullness, so you don't want to eat as much. It also slows emptying from the stomach, so people feel full when they sit down right. for a it meal. It slows motility? It slows motility in the stomach, yeah. It mimics that's not a, hormone. a great thing, necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> it mimics a hormone that's secreted in the intestine, so it slows gastric emptying. And it also gives you a sense of satiety, but fullness. But it also apparently impacts your ability to build muscle and exercise. Well, it can cause fatigue. Um, and some people complain of those symptoms. A lot of the symptoms are early in the course of coming onto medication. So doctors will titrate people onto these medications slowly. And then they, they build a tolerance for the, the drug itself. But there's no free lunch here, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so you need to make sure that you're properly indicated if you're going to use this. And you want to, if it's going to be used in settings where people aren't as at risk, right. it well, should what be are you properly telling your studied. Friends? I'm sure you have a whole bunch of friends in your world who are saying either I'm going on a Zempic, I am on a Zempic, or I'm on one of these other ones. What, what are you... Yeah, look, I'm telling them not to do it. I have the same advice. You're I telling had, them not to? Yeah, I have the same advice when I was at, at the FDA, which is if you're taking an active pharmaceutical ingredient, you want to make sure you're properly indicated for it. Because as you use drugs in lower risk settings, you tend to realize more of the side effects and fewer of the benefits. If you're not at risk, if you're, you know, not overweight, not obese. It's not causing other health yeah, problems. Yeah, you're not going to realize as many of the benefits of the drug, and you could realize more of the side effects in those kinds of settings. I think also some people you know, are taking these drugs and potentially using them as an excuse to try to eat more because they know the drug is going to help them reduce weight at the same time. They, what you said about thyroid cancer again, what happened in animal studies? It was in animal studies. It was thyroid tumors. We don't know how, if it translates. A, Excuse me? How high of an additional risk did it? Um, I, I don't know offhand the percentage. It was not pervasive in the animal studies. You don't know if it translates into people, but you have to be concerned about it. And they, that said, these drugs have been on the market for a long time. The injectable forms in a daily formulation, the weekly formulations, which is what people are using now, are mm -hmm. relatively new. They're more convenient. That's why people are using them. So we have a long experience with this ingredient. 
but not long enough and wide enough that I would recommend this for people who aren't at risk, for whom their excess weight isn't a health risk factor. Separately, well, let me ask you two other questions. Just the supply chain issue, you think that gets resolved when? Well, some of the supply chain issues being driven by some manufacturing challenges that Novo Nordisk right. had, they, they have said publicly that they're resolving those. So I think this will be resolved in the market pretty soon. Um, I don't think this is being driven by the off-label use that we're seeing, because my, my view is a lot of that okay. is anecdotal in social media. I don't think it's right. as pervasive as we think. Um, happily, we don't, I, I want to say happily we don't see you as often as we used <laughs> to see you, because we used to see you so often talking about COVID. But it does seem like it's back, I got to tell you. I mean, even in the last week uh, in New York and obviously uh, in L.A., a lot of people are talking about it. What are you seeing? Yeah, look, rates are up. We're in the thick of the COVID epidemic right now, the winter surge that we expected. But when you look at hospitalizations right now, about 30,000 people are hospitalized with COVID. At this point it, last year, it was at 55,000. Right. And this point two years ago, it was 95,000. So the impact has been okay. diminished over time. I know you're a Pfizer man. Paxlovid or tough it out for most people? Look, I think if you're indicated for Paxlovid, it could be very effective. People who are at high risk, older individuals, I don't think there's any reason why someone who's at risk of COVID should be toughing it out and taking the, the risk that they could have longer term effects from, from COVID itself. Now, it's narrowly indicated for people who have other risk factors. Right, but there's, so I, I'm 45 years old. You're not indicated for it. <laughs> but, but by the way, there are people who will get it and then they'll say, I want Paxlovid because I want, to, I want to be better in two days. I don't want to have to wait five days or 10 days, right? Right. Well, as a former FDA commissioner and board member of Pfizer, I'm not going to advocate off-label use here on TV. But so you're not properly indicated for the medication. But for people who are, I think they should consider it. Okay. Scott, thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it. That's Squawk Pod for today and for the week. Happy weekend to you. And if you haven't already, please check out our special extra podcasts this week, Squawk Pod Reports, featuring exclusive interviews with some of America's top business leaders. How to find our Squawk Pod Reports extras? If you follow or subscribe to this podcast, they're right in your feed or library now. If you don't follow or subscribe to Squawk Pod, why not? You can get the best of Squawk Box right in your ears every day. From all of us and from hosts Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin, have a great weekend. And we'll meet you back here on Monday. We are clear. Thanks, guys. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. 